Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible-based program just for women where seasoned Naomi's nurture young roots with real scriptural food for the spirit, encouraging and equipping your walk in biblical womanhood. Grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and invite your friends. There's plenty of room at Naomi's Table. Welcome to Naomi's Table, everyone. My name is Amy Spreeman, along with my co-hostess, Nancy LeMay. Hey, Nancy. Hey. Hey, today, ladies, we're going to continue our talk about the most important thing you'll find anywhere in Scripture. Uh, that is what Jesus had to say about love. Uh, love is such a huge topic, and uh, we began this conversation yesterday. Uh, we started talking about what love is not, and it comes straight out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and uh, we got as far as love is patient and kind, it does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. And uh, what we're going to do today is wrap up what it is not and go into what love is. And I think that's a a key thing, ladies. And so we're we're taking apart uh, chapter 13 of the book of 1 Corinthians. So if you have a Bible, you can follow along. All righty. Well, picking it up here at the end of verse 5, it is not irritable or resentful. Now, irritable there, uh, the literal Greek word for that is is not provoked. Um, So you could say... um, you're not allowing someone to get on your nerves, if you will, <laughs> or you're not like touchy. People don't have to walk on eggshells around you, things like that. Uh, once again, we're bringing up the difference between being others focused and being self focused. Yeah, we really are. You know, um, keeping these these uh, the idea of being irritable. Um, you know, the the walking on eggshells. We all know people like that, and it really is a form of manipulation. And so uh, that manipulation is not real love. Real love is, like you said, Nancy. It's it's others focused, and uh, it, it certainly is not uh, irritable or resentful either. No, uh, Paul actually, when he was dealing with the Corinthians, he had a problem. They were filing lawsuits against each other. And he was pointing out, this is not love. Uh, It does not um, be provoked easily. And then also, it does not keep record of wrongs. And how often do we do that in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, even at work? uh, We just kind of tally up all the records of wrongs. And what is it we're supposed to do instead if someone hurts us? Well, we're supposed to forgive. And instead, I think sometimes even in our marriages, ladies, don't you want to just bring up something from three years ago that really hurt you that you said you forgave him for, uh, but you, you know, you're in the middle of a, dis- uh, <clears throat> a discussion and you end up saying something like, yeah, well, I remember that time. Um, no, we're, we're supposed to let those things go. Remember, um, that's not real love. That's actually a term called kitchen sinking. It is. I've never heard of that. Throw everything but the kitchen sink at them, you know, uh, when, when you get in these arguments. Now, that doesn't mean that if someone has repeatedly uh, hurt you in the same way, you are to allow yourself to be that doormat. That's not what this verse is saying. What it's saying is that when someone does ask you for forgiveness or when they do hurt you, you do forgive them. Yeah. But you also need to be wise when you are are 
making yourself vulnerable uh, again with that. But let's look at Jesus's example here. Think of when he was dying on the cross and all of us were the sinners for whom he was doing that for. Every one of us as if we had nailed him to the cross ourselves. Mm -hmm. And yet he looked down at those who hated him, those who were mocking him, those who were taunting him. And he said, Father, forgive them. And he said that as he died, as recorded in Luke twenty three thirty four. Yes. You know, an, another thing, and we're talking about, you know, what, what love isn't, is not. Uh, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And, you know, so love doesn't delight in evil. It rejoices in whatever is true. And uh, and so we need to focus there because, uh, you know, how many times can you say that, um, you know, oh, that guy, he really deserved what he got, you know, and that's rejoicing at this wrongdoing. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 1, 1 and 2, it talks about how blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. You know, today there is a lot for us to be upset about. If you look around you, if you look at the injustice, that you look at uh, some of the things happening as uh, the Atheist and Freedom From Religion Foundation try to remove every trace of God from the public sector, uh, even if it's protected speech. Uh, now, all of a sudden, it's being called hate speech, and well, that's yeah. not protected. So there is a lot to be upset about. And when you look at what's happening there, when you look at what's happening with ISIS in the Middle East, and should those organizations, should those people um, get the justice from God that we believe that they will be receiving, we're not to rejoice in that. No, we are not to re- uh, gloat over someone else's wrongdoing or guilt or the fact that maybe they got caught doing something and now they are getting justice. Uh, we need to remember that a lot of these people, unless they become born-again Christians, the, the sad fact is, Nancy, they are perishing. And our heart ought to be different than uh, what oftentimes is. Uh, instead of gloating, instead of saying, see, I told you so, uh, what we ought to be doing is caring enough about that person, even though he or she might uh, might not even be a believer, we ought to at least care that uh, where they might be going uh, isn't a place that we would wish on anyone. Yeah. And rather than gloating or trying to um, rejoice when something bad happens to someone who we judge as having deserved it, maybe we need to remember all the ways that we have hurt God, all the ways we have sinned against him, and that he gave us his grace. He gave us his forgiveness. He gave us his mercy. And as the saying goes, there but for the grace of God goes I. That's a, a great saying. But you know, uh, Nancy, every time I'm tempted to, um, you know, have a, a little laugh at someone else's expense, maybe in the news, somehow the Holy Spirit reminds me, oh, yeah, but didn't you do something almost the same uh, Mm. way back when? So uh, I know my guilt, and uh, it keeps me 
uh, from having that that little laugh frenzy that can often happen in in social media or uh, that kind of thing. You know, the the second part of what we're talking about here, the rejoicing with truth, yeah. uh, that's something that I think of uh, the uh, Philippians four verses where Paul is saying whatever is good, whatever is excellent, whatever is pure, uh, all of that. Yeah. Fix your minds on these things. And please don't stick with the Nancy paraphrase. Please look it up <laughs> yeah. yourself. But we are to fill our minds with all of the things of God, all yeah. of the the excellence, all of the beauty, all of the purity, all of the the joy in the Lord, all of those things. There is so much of that that we should be filling our minds with, and then we will naturally show His love to others if we fill our minds with those things rather than focus on the negative of what's going wrong out there. Well, Nancy, you know, as we uh, wrap up this conversation, conversation on what God, uh, what his love is not. And remember, tomorrow we're going to be talking about what love is. So if you followed along the last two days, you're definitely not going to want to miss the good news about what love is here. Uh, but let's start out uh, ending this segment with uh, what uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. And that's why love is so important. So we're going to be uh, continuing this conversation tomorrow. And uh, we hope you can tune in and bring some friends who really need to hear about uh, God's message of love. All right. Well, we're going to set this one aside and flip over some chapters to Galatians. Now, that's uh, what we've been studying in the Word. And our teacher, Beth Seifert, is here with us. And that lesson starts right now. It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Gather around and let's begin. Well, we're back in the book of Galatians today for lesson 19. Today we'll be in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And I've titled this lesson, Inner Opposition. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Okay, another jam-packed three verses today. Ready to dig in? First of all, our nature... Our very instincts are contrary to God's Spirit. Did you catch that? The flesh here is not just talking about our bodies, but about our thoughts, our emotions, our desires. Ladies, anyone who says that people are born innately good has never seen a one-year-old in action. Think about it. That one-year-old has been served its whole life. You've fed it, changed its diapers, kept it warm and comfortable, given it a nice place to sleep, given it toys to play with, dropped everything and run to it when it cries. But is there any gratitude shown? I don't know about you, but starting at the age when my children could crawl and thus could get to the toys they wanted to play with, we started to teach them to share. 
That's right. We taught them to share. We're still teaching that. I'm not sure that ever ends. But we didn't have to teach them to be selfish. We didn't have to teach them to go and grab a toy that they wanted when they wanted it, regardless of whose hand was still gripping the toy. They did that on their very own. Our very nature is me-centered. We arrive in this world, and we think it is all about me. Now, let me stop for a second and tell you, that doesn't mean I don't love and adore my sons. I do. I absolutely do. But I also do not underestimate their ability to sin. That means that I have a tough job ahead of me. I have to show my sons that I love them while correcting their behavior. And trust me, ladies, correct it young, because what you'll giggle at when a two-year-old does it, add ten years to them and that behavior and you won't be laughing. Now you might say, well, but they don't know any better. And that's true. They don't know better. They know self. They need to be taught better. And if you don't start teaching them young, you're in for a much harder battle when they're teenagers. They need to be reminded of who the real Trinity is and that the Trinity is not me, myself, and I. Yet Paul calls us to walk continually, not a one-time walk around the block, by the Spirit. There should be progress made, too. We shouldn't be walking in place. Because our very nature is so contrary to God, we're in a constant battle against our very own flesh. The biggest battles are inside of us. That's part of why God sent His Spirit to dwell inside of us, to help us fight those battles. With the Spirit, we don't have to continually give in to our sinful nature, but we can fight it and continue to make progress to the point where we do want to do what is good and right. It's a progression of continually pushing past our old selves, our old flesh-centered desires, to replace them with what He fills us with. Even further, we get to that point where we want to do what is right, and through His grace, we do what is right, even while our flesh screams out, No! Please me instead! It's a progression to this process, the progression of sanctification. It is, as a wise woman reminded me with this analogy only a short time ago, so important to surround ourselves with the truth, with His word to us. It's only through knowing the truth backwards and forward that we recognize a lie immediately when we see it. Did you know that law enforcement officers recognize fake money pretty easily because they study the real thing all the time? So any new changes to our money, they're studying it, not just taking a glance, so that when they have to discern between the real and the counterfeit, they're able to do so. We must be able to do the same thing in our walk with God. We must be able to recognize what is actually scriptural, and to do that, we must know scripture ourselves. Notice, too, that Paul never says, Don't ever sin again. He knows that isn't realistic. The only perfect human was Jesus. Period. But Paul does encourage us to fight the battle, to fight against our flesh, to allow the Spirit to guide and direct us. We cannot do it on our own, ladies. We need the Spirit to help us to get to where He wants us to be. Paul is telling us that we no longer should be slaves to our flesh, that His Spirit is more powerful than our flesh, and that we need not trust our own fleshly impulses, but should trust in His Spirit to guide and direct us. Just as a blind person would need to be guided through obstacles so they're not harmed, so too are we, 
led by the Spirit through the obstacles of this life, that we might not see with our human eyes. Now, as we are not led by the law, but by His Spirit, does that mean that we can ignore the law? No, it means that the law has no hold on us. The law has no power to condemn us because we're justified by grace apart from the law. Instead of obeying the law to save ourselves, instead of obeying the moral law out of fear of punishment or desire to show how good we are, we obey the moral law out of delight and joy. Remember yesterday what sums up the law, love your neighbor as yourselves. And truly, the law that God gave to Moses agrees with that. Don't lie, and so deceive yourselves. Don't kill, and so destroy others, etc. That law, that moral law given to Moses by God is what we call the Ten Commandments. God did later give church and civil laws to the people too, so that they would get along with each other as they wandered in the desert and they wouldn't kill each other off. But guess where circumcision falls? I'll give you a hint. It's not one of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, ladies, are still very, very applicable today. Yet the law, in terms of the keeping of the law being able to sanctify and save you, and the Spirit are mutually exclusive. Either you live by the power of the Holy Spirit, which results in righteous behavior and spiritual thoughts, or you'll live by the law, which can only produce unrighteous, self-seeking behavior and attitudes. Now, just a quick reminder of what the Ten Commandments are, and you'll see how they relate to each other and to our relationship with God. One is no other God but the one true God. Two, don't worship any other God. Three, use God's name only with respect. Four, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Five, honor your father and mother. Six, no killing. Seven, no adultery. Eight, no stealing, 9. No telling lies about your neighbor, and 10. No coveting what your neighbor has. So, my question for us today is this. Do these commandments feel like a burden to you? Do you feel like they're unnecessarily harsh? Are you still walking to feed the desires of your flesh, to do what you want to do? Are you your number one priority? Are your desires in line with His will, or are they self-focused? Are you living as if you could save yourself, as if you were still under the law? If you feel burdened by these, it's time for a heart check. It's time to see if you and Christ are really on the same page, because let me tell you, once you have been saved, once you do know Him, and understand what He has truly done just for you, you won't want to serve any God but Him. You won't want to use His name in a derogatory or casual way. You'll speak his name with love and honor, knowing how much he loves you and what he has done for you. That flesh of yours will need to constantly die to be renewed by his spirit, to help you to do what he wills, not what you want outside of his will. Ladies, you can find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab on the website naomistable.com, Day 19, Inner Opposition.
Well, ladies, that was our Bible study for today. And Nancy, I guess uh, if I'm looking at personal application, uh, this particular lesson taught me so much about how much we need to be walking by the Spirit. Oh, and I think we all can feel it instinctively that we need to be walking by the Spirit because we know how strong our flesh is, don't yeah, we? we do indeed, and it has been forever. I mean, just as long as we've known ourselves, as long as we were first aware of ourselves from the, a very young age, uh, we knew that uh, it's all about us, right? The world spins about uh, around us, but of course that is absolutely not true, uh, but we think it is, and, and we have to be actually be trained in the Spirit. The Spirit does this work in us in order for us to let go of our flesh, and, and that doesn't happen right away, does it? No, it doesn't. Uh, and I, I really like the analogies, too, because I think that there is the prevailing thought, not only in the secular group, but also in a lot of Christians, that man is basically good. Yeah. And they forget that because we are all fallen, we are not. We're basically evil. And then when you have something happen like uh, 9-11, the World Trade Center, everyone is just utterly stunned yeah. and speechless at the amount of evil that is displayed. And it's really when I like when she says, well, look at a two-year-old. I mean, they are selfish. They yeah. don't need to be taught to lie. It's kind of natural to them, but they do need to be taught to share. You, you know, Nancy, you, you bring up 9-11, and it reminds us that since then, if you look at our world today uh, compared to 9-11, a lot of people in the world might think, well, boy, uh, I guess we were basically good back then except for this one group. And that's really not true because today we're seeing this pervasive darkness of, of the human soul, the human spirit. We're seeing uh, more and more crime in the news. We're experiencing it closer to home, and we're seeing just the utter depravity and uh, people being given over, I think, to their own uh, wishes and, and desires. And it's it's just sad to see, but it reminds us just how much that, uh, that we need the light, every single one of us on the planet. Yeah, there's absolutely no thought for consequences because there's no thought of being responsible for your choices. There's a lot of animal thought process going on, if you will, a lot lot of people that are just reacting rather than thinking. There are a lot of people that are just doing, as we talked about yesterday, doing what feels good rather than actually thinking about what's the right thing to do. And it's something that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I know exactly how selfish I am. Yeah. I know that I still have that in me, and I know that I still am way too self-centered and self-focused most of the time. But through God's grace, He is training me to be others-focused. He is training me to think of others and put them first, even when my flesh is screaming for attention. You know, when my flesh is first screaming for attention is that first moment I wake up in the morning and my eyes barely open up and all I can think about is satisfying my want for coffee. That That's all it is. I, I stumble out. I, I wear, where are the cups? Where's my, you know, stuff? And I, I that's what I think about. And I actually have to willfully remind myself or the Holy Spirit does that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. I need to be 
thanking God for this day that he has made, uh, asking him to, you know, that if I could glorify him anyway. And it really takes me, I I call it that my hang time, Mm. you know, Uh, but, you know, I, but I do that and I, I love the Lord and I, I, I'm reminded of how much I, I depend on him to actually be able to think like him and walk in the spirit. Oh, absolutely. And for me, I'm addicted to comfort and convenience. I hate being put in, put out of the way. I hate um, mm. having to step out of my comfort zone. And I, I think that, you know, when you look at what our flesh is doing to us, you can see the destructiveness in it. You can see the harm it does to others, but yet we continue in our nature, trusting in our impulses. That's why you're right. We all do need the spirit desperately. He is the only one who can train us, who can convict us, who can guide our minds to say, wait a minute, there's someone else or something else you need to be thinking of here, rather than just going with the flow or going with what our our flesh or our instincts tell us. Yeah, you know, uh, Philippians uh, 1.6 is one of my favorites. Uh, It says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. God did bring a good work in us, in in each one of us, uh, in his children, and he will bring it to completion. That is a promise to us. God is faithful. And uh, I would just recommend that, ladies, that uh, you do depend on him by uh, reading. Make sure that you are in the word. Um, So many of us are, uh, have found ourselves drifting, I think, in this Christian walk, especially women who, you know, we, we use busyness as an excuse. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm so overscheduled. I have to drive my kids here, there, everywhere. But, you know, uh, we have just as much time in our 24 hours that God has given us as any other woman in history. Uh, so if, if we are uh, truly his children, we're going to want to know him more. Um, we're going to want to be in his word. You know, one of the guests of the other show that you're involved in, Stand Up For The Truth, Dave Wager, He often talks about hours of influence, and he says where you are spending your hours of influence is going to really determine what kind of life you're living. And we do use the excuse of, oh, we're busy, busy, busy. But if you looked at what are the hours of influence, how much time am I spending watching TV or reading the paper or you know, just yakking with friends or something like that. Not that those are necessarily bad experiences, but if you are looking at the wrong things, if you're letting the world and its mentality into your mind, or like me, if you're saying, hey, I like doing this, I'm comfortable doing this, I would rather do this, then get out of my comfort zone and really try to help others. Or try to be with God. I mean, can you imagine uh, God standing before him someday and saying, well, God, I deserved that time in that TV series on Netflix. I deserved that because I worked hard all day and I, you know, I, I was a mom all day and all I wanted to do was relax. And, you know, what about relaxing with God? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. So I, I'm not saying that, you know, we have to be legalistic about things. But understand, you're absolutely right, Nancy, that the hours of influence, what are we sticking into our brains instead of God? Yeah. Uh, one more thing that Beth pointed out here is uh, she said living by the law only results in self-seeking self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. And it's totally opposite from living by the Spirit. And this living by the Spirit Uh, teaches me to do what God wills, not what my flesh wants. And that is, I think, key. 
Yes, it is. Well, Nancy, as we close out the program, I know you've got some scripture that speaks to all of this. What did you find there? Well, there's no better place for me than uh, Romans 8 as far (laughs) as comparing life in the flesh versus life in the spirit. So we're going to pick it up at verse 1, which is a verse we all know and love. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. All right. Well, thank you, Nancy. And as we close the program today, ladies, our prayer for you is that you will uh, desire to be in the word even more as you uh, rest in him who loves you so much. All right. We're going to leave it here. We'll be back tomorrow. Hope you can join us at noon central around this table. We'll see you then. Have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us today at Naomi's Table. We encourage you to head over to naomistable.com for resources, articles, Bible study guides, and much more. Until next time, be equipped and encouraged in God's Word. 